Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello, and welcome back to the Meaning Academy podcast. Dr. Daniel A. Franz, Dr. Rabbi Baruch Levy, Rabbi B. and Dr. D. with you again, talking about all things logotherapy, existential analysis, and Dr. Victor Frankel. Today, um, bringing in some current events. You know, sometimes we uh, uh, philosophize and hypothesize about theories and ideas, um, Today, uh, we, we, we thought bringing in some current events would be a good idea. B, you want to introduce the current uh, current events we're talking about? I think you, uh, you know, in, in our pre-meeting, had some good ideas on that. Yeah, we were talking um, a little bit about the Titan. It's not a submarine. What's it technically called? That's, I don't know. We'll call it a submarine. But um, <clears throat> it's the tragedy that everybody knows about by now, where how many people were on it? Five? I believe it was five, yeah. Five individuals um, met their met their death, came to their death um, in tragic situation. And I don't know enough of the details to really get into it. That's not the nature of this conversation. But the reaction, not by all, but certainly by enough, that felt very unlogo philosophy, meaning centered in spirit. And we were going to talk about that as well as I think some of the beautiful. Um, noble, courageous aspects of these five individuals who went uh, exploring down to the depths of the ocean. Well, B, I, I don't know much about the details of it other than, as you said, it was a human tragedy. Um, I, I, you can't help but hear about these things or see them just when you're hopping on your search page or something like that. Um, the thing, I, as you mentioned, the thing I saw the most of other than here's what happened Here's maybe why it happened. But people's reaction was so visceral, so nasty, so ugly. And maybe that's just an interesting point. Maybe that's just what the the algorithm showed me or what the Internet was full of and putting out there. But I can't help but think like it was just downright ugly. Yeah. You know, we have to be mindful of, like you said, what's what we're seeing is what sells so, of course, we're not going to say that everybody, the majority, was was celebrating. However, the fact that anybody was celebrating is just shocking at a human level. It's no different than 9-11, and there were pictures of some Palestinians or somebody in the Middle East who were celebrating mm-hmm. joyfully. You know, I lived in Israel. And there were times when wars happen, when missiles are launched. I never once met an Israeli who was celebrating at the demise of another human being, even if they were enemies. It's a necessary part of life in that situation. Tragedies happen. I don't think there's any or ever a time for celebrating somebody's tragedy. And that's, I think, what's so shocking is there were enough people that were that gave us pause to do this podcast. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the fact that it happened, 
Um, I mean, to your point, even enemy combatants, I, I read and study a lot of World War II history and even going back to one of the bloodiest conflicts in human history, um, combatants still respected each other and, and didn't seek their cruel uh, demise of their opponent, but you know, it was war. But um, here we, Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Finish. Well, I mean, here we have the situation where, again, what we saw on social media was people celebrating the, the horrible demise of five individuals because of who they were or who they were portrayed to be, right? So, I mean, the, the, the word that comes out is these were billionaires. Of course, they had money, they had funds, they had resources. This was a, what, a $250,000 per person trip, right? So these were resourceful individuals that had access to money. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's pretty much the gist of why I heard them for, from those again. I mean, I know there were some not just like trolls, but um, I even read a, a couple stories about some journalists who did articles on this or podcasts on how these these guys, I think they're all men. I don't know, um, got what they deserved because they're, you know, they're billionaire playboys. They're arrogant. They're they were just looking for good time when um First of all, I mean, lots, lots to pick apart here. So much. You know, we're starting with never, never celebrating human destruction. I, I'm reminded of, um, you know, the Torah, the Bible, when the um, Israelites crossed the famous scenario, they crossed the, the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea. They're on the other side. They're celebrating. I don't know if it's in the text. I'd have to look, but there's certainly a story, a midrash, we call it, where God came down and chastised the Israelites, saying, how dare you celebrate while my children are drowning in the sea. Mm -hmm. And that's always been really deeply touching to me because the Egyptians were doing bad things to the Israelites. The Israelites had to escape. Even there are times when we have to bring, um, you know, destruction to human beings to put an end to it. However, celebration is never um, justified. So if that's true against enemy combatants, it's certainly true against human civilians. Absolutely. Um... And I don't know when when, when we are uh, when we celebrate somebody's demise because they were wealthy. I mean, what kind of reflection is that on you, right? I mean, that just smacks of of jealousy and contempt. And why, right? As you and I've talked about, um, three paths to meaning: experiential values, creative values, attitudinal values. If you can experience things in life that other people may not have access to why wouldn't you a it's meaningful but it also advances so many things as we talked about um the exploration of the new world several hundred years ago well how did people get these giant ships to go sail the seas and explore and, and map the world right you don't do that because you're living in your parents basement playing video games yeah those are the equivalent of the billionaires of their time and mm -hmm. Um, it's always a combination. Look, not just the New World, which is a huge one, but every exploratory mission, whether it's to um, the moon, whether it's new, um, what, you know, the, the Wright brothers inventing flight. I mean, every single contribution or advancement to leading edge is composed of both finances and those willing to pioneer the new direction. And so to say that these guys were, A, just a bunch of playboys having fun is unfair because, you know, I just read an article that said 
Only 150 people in human history have been down to the depths of the ocean. Think about in this world, it's so saturated above ground. We've been everywhere. There's not a place you can stand that you can say 150 people haven't been to. So there's something that we've just missed on the exploratory, you know, well, as you said, the experiential side of life here. Right. B, why do we have electric cars? Why are we looking to send civilians into outer space? Because this billionaire, Elon Musk, said, hey, I want to I want to do this and I want to help other people to do it. And in the beginning, it costs money. Why do we have cars? Some wealthy billionaire decided, you know, 100 years ago to start mass producing cars. How are you and I talking, B? Because a couple guys started building computers in their garages and now they're ubiquitous in our culture and society and we get to do these amazing things on them are they terrible human beings for doing no. wait, 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 wait. Are, you on a, are you on a mac computer i thought you were you were opposed to it yeah i am not <laughs> on an i device b we, we should save that for another podcast the ongoing war about our i devices so you're absolutely right and i just don't think most people have even stopped to pause to think about what these people were doing, what they could stand for. But the back to the point of why, why rush to judgment? Even mm -hmm. if, look, even if they were just on a, a pleasure cruise and it sank and they died, um, it, that's not the point. The point is there is no they, there's no other. I mean, when you hear about them being talked about by those who are celebrating, it's a they, it's a them, it's a pronoun, it's an other it's not a human being. Yeah. And that's reductionistic. And that's at the heart of the destruction of humanity. And that's what logotherapy stands guard against. Yeah. Well, and, and let's look at, at you know, one of the, the core values of logotherapy right from Dr. Frankel. He did not believe in the collective. He fought against the collective guilt of the Nazis. He said, you cannot judge one human being based on the behavior of, of their group. And, um, you know, he pointed out in there that there were some good Nazis who risked their lives, who not, you know, not enough, not too many. But there's if there's one, then there's no more they. Um, you know, he talks about one of the Nazis who gave him and other prisoners medicine out of his own you know, funds. And so there's no more they. The moment you have an exception to the rule, there's no more rule. And he said there were very bad Jewish prisoners who became capos, capos. who did horrific things to their own people. So there's no more they the good guys and they the bad guys. Now, I'm not willing to say, you know, that means the Nazis were good and the Jews, the victims of whoever they were, were bad. But it does mean we must stand guard against collective anything. Yeah, and, and I think something you said earlier really reflects on a lot of our teachings is the idea of pause, right? Between stimulus and response is our human ability to pause and reflect before we react. That's what separates us from the animals, right? That we have this higher cognitive functioning that we, when we allow ourselves to pause and to reflect and to react humanely and meaningfully, well, then we're better for it. But as you said, sometimes there are, uh, as you called them, trolls, which I really like that word, trolls on the internet who just react, just start typing, just the visceral nature of what comes out of their mouths. Yeah, down with the billionaires, hell with them, and all these kinds of things. Like, 
it's inhumane. You know, let's bring it down to a personal level because a lot of people say, hey, they're not billionaires. They're not going to, you know, like they didn't laugh, all of that. But don't you have clients that speak? We all do. We're human beings. But don't you have clients who speak in terms of they? Hmm. They don't like me. They fired me. They what, whatever. And I think that we can do this on a very personal, real level in, a, in our daily lives, too. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the I, I just brought up this situation yesterday in a session of a couple working on uh, reunification after some difficult times, right? So some separation and <clears throat> something very practical in, in a marriage situation or an intimate relationship. Every intimate relationship, every marriage struggles. Um, we have arguments, we have disagreements. And when we do, we have to be careful who we confide in, who the they is, because um, as we grow in our relationship and marriage and work towards reunification or healthier situations, those people don't always grow with us. And uh, sometimes we'll allow for those judgments when things are worked out. And uh, one of the statements yesterday was, well, you know, they, uh, these people may still have a negative uh, reflection on our relationship or one of the individuals in the relationship. And the common agreement was then they may not be people you need in your life, right? The they's that reflect the, the trolls in our lives those that constantly bring out the negative or judge, assume, don't pause, but just react in a negative way. Sometimes we can choose to help them and see something more positive. Other times in an individual manner, man, we just need to set boundaries for them to be out of our lives. It's, it's so important to um, really dig in as we are to the fact that nobody is a uh, anything right? Nobody's a one thing. We are mm. complex, dynamics, human beings. We're, we're nuos, as, as we, as Dr. Frankel called it. We are essence. We're, we're, we're spirit. spirit. We're more than the sum of our parts. And when you start getting, this is one of the challenges I'm having in this day and age with all kind of identity politics, you know, like um, we're more than all of these titles and descriptions as important as they are sexuality gender color um um political orientation religion i, I have all these things you have all these AMB, you just got us canceled in five different directions nope come we're on taking, man. we're taking this on but that's the point because we're what we're doing is we're continuously reducing the human experience mm. down to all these buckets, all these labels, all these titles, and we're losing the human spirit. We're losing the human encounter. You know, I, I, again, all of those have their place in time. As long as we remember that none of those are who we are, all of those are pieces describing how we experience life. I will never forget the first time I came into contact with, with Dr. Frankel's statements on reductionism, that psychoanalysis and Adler's uh, psychology of power and authority sought to reduce human beings down to drives and instincts, right? And in, in the nature of trying to understand us better, but the idea today that we continue to reduce people down to a label. You are one word. And as you and I talk, B, uh, you are one number on your Enneagram. You are four letters on the MBTI. No, you're not. You are the sum of your spirit, your body, your soma, your psyche, all of these things, which as we teach in logotherapy, 
makes you a unique and singular individual capable of you know, carrying out your tasks and lives. But too often, these, these politics that are going to get us canceled as we continue to challenge them, um, these politics of reductionism to a one word or two word label will only, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's, it can be catastrophic. It's a pathway to hell. I mean, mm -hmm. um, the, the only way you could have had the Holocaust is if people were turned into reduced to numbers. Victor Frankel was not Victor Frankel. He was prisoner 119104. You can't murder 6 million names, 6 million identities, 6 million human beings. You can murder, you can put into the gas chamber 6 million numbers because they're numbers. This is, but this is what, you know, was done to blacks. This is what has been done to gypsies. This is what have been done to, it's they. They are no longer names, identities. They're just these labels. That's why it's so dangerous to reduce another human being. I don't care what the label is to just that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've really hit on the nature of why what we saw happening in social media was just so wrong. So what should people be doing about it? I mean, should you get on the internet and start firing back answers to the trolls? You're being non-logo philosophy therapeutic, but no. <laughs> How do you live out a healthier message in day-to-day -day life? Well, first of all, when you see human tragedy, for goodness sake, pause and reflect. And if you're a prayerful or meditational human being, pray for the souls of these poor individuals. Right, pray for their families. At least wish well. Yeah, I know some people get a little uncomfortable when they say, like, you know, there's tragedy. So we're sending our love and our prayers to the victims of Columbine or whatever the shooting or whatever the thing was. But it's a beautiful gesture because it's the space between stimulus and response, right? It's that space. I'm going to just at least take a moment and just think, right? Just direct my attention. Just pause. I do this. I try to do this. When we live near an ambulance, uh, you know, and constantly coming and going, I try when it's not annoying me and I'm, you know, can catch my breath and be responsive. I try just to take a moment and think, you know, Godspeed. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know who's on the end of the recipient, but mm -hmm. I hope that they get there in time. And I feel like that is more about me keeping my humanity than anything else. Well, it is, but I mean, yes, and that's important. Keep your own humanity, taking a moment to reflect and, and wish those who may be struggling or suffering well, uh, yeah, can be pretty selfish because it does good for us, for our soul, for our spirit. But there are theories out there currently being researched in science that, you know, those thoughts and, well, we can, we can reflect on thoughts and prayers in a second, but those thoughts, those prayers, those positive gestures in some way reverberate in the world and do have an impact. It's called the Institute for Noetic Science, I believe, founded by astronaut Edgar Mitchell that does a lot of this research. Um, but there's something to it. We know we're all interconnected and we don't always know how. So sometimes having sending out positive vibes to people really is a thing. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll have a whole podcast dedicated to that topic because I think it's worthy. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, you know, I'm thinking, though, I, I like to make things you asked how we effectuate change in our lives. You can't fix the world. 
in in some global macro way you know it's miss america watching world peace it's meaningless <laughs> what can i do and i just had a conversation with my daughter who's going to a volleyball camp and she went there last year and she was she said to me i don't like going there because they're mean mm. and i said is that true like who's this they when i was a rabbi i would get people who would like to critique me all you know they call it critique i'd call it criticize but they would i would always know when we're in the red zone here we're in a dangerous territory when they would say look rabbi this isn't my opinion but they are saying you should know they are saying <laughs> right and whenever they said that my response was i am happy to engage and i'm i just need to know who they are mm -hmm. well i can't tell you that well then i can't have this conversation because they don't exist there's right. just names there's people and my daughter there's no they there's a hundred girls they're all different. You got to get past the they and find out who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I hear that often, but again, this week, and I wish I could remember the exact uh, situation. But the idea that, well, you know, I disagree with you, but more importantly, all of these other people, all of they that I've talked to, disagree with you. Well, and it's like, okay, that is, I I just often call that a real cheap argument tactic, right? It's 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 dirty fighting. Come on. Oh, well, I, I don't like what you had to say, but they're even more angry with you. Stop it. Yeah, but that's when it gets really good when you can get rid of they and say, I just need to know who they are. Yes, absolutely. I've never, I've never met one person who's ever said, well, th what they'll say is I can't tell you. Well, then I can't have this conversation because they don't exist. There's no need to. So, right, <laughs> judging people and, and using that kind of uh, ammunition of the unknown they is just just unfair. So that's that's one strategy. Another one, <coughs> excuse me, for me is um, the back to what you were talking about, Dan, collective guilt, collective anything. When I find myself and, you know, we were human beings. We all do this. They in our mind and we start pinning all of this on them. So here's a perfect example. I um, met a guy who had, you know, all kinds of neo-Nazi stuff on his body. And he wanted to get into it with me. And my first reaction was, I don't engage with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I changed my mind based on this Frankel idea, because until he proves himself to be a neo-Nazi. Um, and what he said to me was he just wanted to talk to a Jewish person and apologize. And he, he had like coming to Jesus. His tears were in his eyes. And he said, I've just been waiting for a Jew. I mean, you know, kind of already, you know tells you where he's coming from I'm waiting for a Jew and I found you, but I, I was happy to represent that. And he confessed like he just spent the next hour confessing to this rabbi. And I would have missed that opportunity if I would have written him off as a they. Yeah, that's beautiful. When, when we treat people as individuals, as spirits, as nuos, as a unique and special human being, we often can get to see what's really behind all of that hard exterior, what's behind all of those tattoos, um, all of that uh, neo-Nazi branding. And it's hard sometimes, right? Because it is human nature to seek understanding. We seek understanding through putting people into groups, right? Um, that's our uh, a way of quickly trying to understand somebody. But then again, we have that opportunity between stimulus and response is the opportunity to pause and reflect and think. I don't know a darn thing about that person just because they're part of that group, just because they carry that flag, just because they wear those clothes. I don't know anything about them, but we seek to understand through that judgment sometimes 
And oftentimes we get it wrong. And let's make it really real because people can say, well, I don't do that. Really? Because this world we live in right now is more divided over politics. And as we move into the next election cycle, let's mm -hmm. learn from the past one. You know, I heard multiple times somebody who's a Republican must be, um, you know, responsible for everything that Donald Trump or whoever, you know, their their villain of choices in the Republican Party stands for. There's they or on the other side, all liberals are this. And we are in dangerous territory when we start doing this to half the country, to our neighbors, to our family members. So as we head into this next election cycle, uh, cycle let's learn from our mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Just because, again, going back to just because somebody is, uh, you think they're in a category, in a group, doesn't always mean you truly understand and know them. And you have to pay attention to, to, to the uniqueness, to the individuality. Any other... Um ways to defy this human uh, inclination to reduce other human beings? You know, from a lot of things that I've read, sometimes the best way to do that is to have conversations with people, whether it's just sitting with somebody uh, on an airplane or, you know, waiting in line somewhere. Um, when you seek to judge, maybe it's having a conversation or maybe it's reflecting and, and, and pulling that judgment back. And trying to do just something kind for that individual you think is in a group that you may not be tolerant of. There's the other word, be intolerant. It's true. There's um, there's a teaching in the Talmud that talks about um, um, the mother of Sisera. And Sisera was a, you know, the Hitler of their time mm -hmm. and did horrible things. But she was crying after her son was killed. And there was sort of a debate or discussion around, you know, like how could she, how could she cry for him? It's, he's an evil person, but that person had a mother and that was the mother and a mother remembers her son as a baby. And that, that villain was a baby at one point. And I feel like if we can do that, and by the way, the shofar blast, you know, the ram's horn mm -hmm. is based on the cry of Sisera's mother. Because on the high holidays, we're supposed to open our hearts. So when we hear that sound, we're supposed to hear the sound of our enemy's mother crying for what happened to her baby. There's just this humanity in it that I think about when I think about the evil people that do bad things. A Bernie Madoff had a mother and a, you know, fill in your villain du jour had a mother. Can we see the person holistically mm -hmm. and remember they're a child of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we continue to look at different, you know, biblical statements or other ancient wisdom texts, right? The idea of pray for your enemies is is pretty prominent through there, right? That um, sometimes it makes them not an enemy, sometimes it helps, but you know, to seek the good of others uh, is, is something we can do every day, whether they're billionaires or your neighbor next door or or whomever it may be. To seek the common good is is a message that we can all buy into for whatever reason, and you know, somehow raise the consciousness of those around us, our families, our communities. That's how you change the world. So, you know, I can hear some people's, the hair on their, uh, I can see the, the hair on the back of their neck standing up, especially the Jewish audience, because some people got upset with Frankel. Some people got get upset with pray for your enemies or forgive your enemies. And I'll draw a distinction between praying for your enemies as, because um, we are supposed to pray for enemies, to change their heart, to turn back, not to exonerate, 
It's not the same thing. You know, there's a, I, I say all the time, forgive, don't forget. Mm-hmm. We say, we say, you know, for the Holocaust, never again. Um, we're not going to forget it. We're not going to let it repeat itself, but we can still forgive, soften our hearts, move on. We don't hold modern day Germans responsible for their parents, their grandparents, their ancestors' atrocities. That's forgiving. That's not forgetting. Mm-hmm. You know, and another interesting point, uh, I believe we live in a time where we have so few true enemies in our day-to-day life, but yet we can sure uh, contrive them. We can make them up. We can make, we can find ourselves angry at different people in different groups for, well, inhuman reasons, inhumane reasons, right? Why, why would you be angry at somebody in a submarine because they can afford to do it and you can't? right that's that's almost as silly as well i can afford to drive a car but other people can't they should really be angry at me because i drive a car or they're they celebrate all the traffic deaths yeah right there we go right when when you when we look at others in judgment we have no time i, I believe it was mother Teresa. when when you are judging you have no time to love mm-hmm. right and, and so when you are constantly comparing other people and finding them to be despicable to you for whatever reason well you're missing out on, on your own humanity that is you know just as much as theirs but your own humanity too you're only sullying you're dirtying your own spirit so to step back and, and to find time to appreciate respect pause to love instead of judge will only help you be better but in that way help a lot of those around you be better too it's so true. Before we wrap up, I really have, I think about reductionism, reducing mm-hmm. other people all the time. But I never thought about it from that perspective, that when I am reducing another, I'm actually reduced. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm the type of person that is reducing. I'm reduced. I'm smaller than my defiant spirit in that moment. And like there is this part about, yeah, it's about me as much as it is about them. And I don't want to live a reduced existence. Absolutely. So if we if we stop judging and love a little bit more, we're not reducing ourselves. We're not reducing others and things get better. We have less trolls on the Internet. And um, I think that's probably a good place because the running man is wrapping up right now. Our our most loyal listener who's uh, finishing <laughs> his jog or wherever you are, whoever you are. You know, we, we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate your growing loyalty. We want to share some. Uh, uh, how to get involved with the Frankel Meaning Academy steps? Absolutely. Hop on over to themeaningacademy.com or themeaningacademy.org. Sign up for our uh, weekly mailer. Well, you'll get all the information you need to to hop on and join us for our Meaning Mastermind, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I don't know. I can't do that calculation. 3 p.m. Eastern every Thursday afternoon where we talk uh, not just podcasts, but we, t- we interact, right? We, we, we throw around ideas and we ask for your participation or not. You can just kind of listen into a live podcast and hang out with us. But um, if you have questions, topics you'd like us to cover, hop on the Meaning Mastermind, 3 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday. Get there through the Meaning Academy website. This is your opportunity to kind of participate with us and, and to grow this thing we've been working on for a few years now. And to help it become the the meaningful opportunity we hope it will be and to build our meaning <coughs> meaning community we call them meaning seekers of like-minded like-hearted like-spirited people mm-hmm. who 
want to expand, who want to get rid of the world of reduction and just grow together with other open-hearted uh, human beings. And that's that's where we invite you into our Meaning Seeker community. And, and I would even add, B, I would, I would challenge, even if you're not like-minded, even if you think what we have to offer here is drivel, let's talk about it. Come on over. And, you know, I, it's it, I, that's one of the things, one of the core tenants you and I agreed on with Dr. Elise and Scott. Like, we want everybody to be a part of this. You know, if you want to challenge and, and, and you know, have a, as long as we can have an intelligent conversation about it, like, we are definitely open to these ideas being challenged. Of course, we've dedicated our lives to them and are pretty well experienced in them and have some strong opinions, but they can be challenged too. And, so and through that, we can grow. So the takeaway from that is if you are not like-minded and you want to challenge, you'll reach out to Dr. Dan. If you're like-minded and you just want to have a good time, reach out to me. <laughs> Until the next time, we are the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy, and we hope you, we know you, we, we wish you will go out into the world and live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at TheMeaningAcademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.